in the beginning, there was nothing but Yogg. The primordial chaos, the swirling void of malice and madness that predates all. The six gods created the Earth as a prison to contain the evil and immensity of Yogg. Then they abandoned their creation and entrusted mortals with its care. But Yogg is patient. It awaits only the day when it will rupture the earth and plunge all creation into another eternity of terror and darkness. From its stronghold in the land of Yoveth, the Black Star enlists mortals towards its sinister ends. Those benighted souls who choose to serve who heed that dark calling are the world's worst. Depraved, ghoulish, accursed, and vile. They are our heroes. All Hail Yod is a D&D actual play evil campaign brought to you by the creators of Experience Points. In All Hail Yogg, our rotating cast of villains are the fell servants of a dark lord and must travel the realms of Undoom to enact Yogg's evil upon the earth. This adventure is called The Ritual and will last about nine episodes. When it's finished, there'll be a new adventure with a new party of villains. All Hail Yogg is also brought to you by our patrons. If you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash xpwebseries. And now, on with the show. The adventure begins on the 14th of Nosen, year 898, in the Fourth Age of Undoom. This is The Ritual, Episode 1. In a benighted laboratory, a creature... A gruesome abomination is howling in her cage. She throws all her considerable strength against the iron bars, but for all her might and fury they are too strong, and she is powerless. She must watch as her beloved, a stooped figure across the workshop, does his grim work. The doctor's bare arm is bolted to the workbench. To its side lies another arm, metallic, inhuman, an unholy blend of flesh and steel. With his free hand, the doctor raises a tool, a wicked device, with one possible application, and he switches it on. Which tool does the doctor activate? We see a long shaft, but the shaft has uh, these ridges. And as he switches it on, you hear a revving sound. And uh, the ridges begin to uh, shift back and forth very, very fast. It has this buzzsaw motion to it. And um, what he does is he notices that there is some leftover flesh 
on the, the tool. Next to him, there's this, like some kind of fire or something like that. He, so he'll dip it, he'll dip it in the fire and the blade becomes just, just scorching hot, right? And then he revs it against his arm. And then he gives out this blood curdling scream, high pitched squeal, and he keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And the monster in the background is losing her mind. In the midst of the blood and the gore and the howls of the caged creature, just as the doctor is reaching for his prosthesis, the darkened workshop is suddenly flush with green light as a symbol. An eldritch star secreted beneath the doctor's overcoat flares to life. In a burst of panic, he scrabbles to seize the arm, but he's too late, and the black smoke carries him away. The creature's howls and its struggle to break free increase tenfold. As the smoke dissipates, the laboratory rings with the squeal and snap of iron bars breaking. On the main stage at the ritziest venue in the garment district of an unholy city, a posse of men, naked, muscular, glistening with oil, strut into view. They flex and wink and blow kisses to the admiring crowd. Then, in syncopation with the sudden swell of lively music, they begin to strip all the skin from their bones. Skeins of bloody skin fly into the audience. The crowd screams, not from terror, but from euphoria fighting over each flap of flesh that comes within reach. The models keep stripping meat, skin, and sinew until all that remains is a posse of bloody skeletons dancing with perfect synchronicity. Yet the show is only beginning. What's in store for Act Two? Backstage, there's a, there's a very tall human skeleton in like black formal wear, sort of liplessly chewing at his finger bones at the ends of it. And uh, as these four skeletons, like in perfect harmony, uh, they stop all at once and the music stops. And then this director-like figure from the back uh, snaps his fingers. And we see uh, Bones by Ernst, a big banner drop down above the stage where these skeletons, the, the blood and residual gore leaves them and uh, they are dressed in the new uh, the new autumn winter 98 bones by Ernst line uh, the skeleton clothes it's like there's like a cravat that like starts in the body cavity and spills over the collarbone you know silks woven between the ribs you know um, uh, and the the director like relaxes visibly like at all <laughs> we pulled it off we did it we launched as the blood-smeared crowd whoops and hollers, the designer himself mounts the stage, and surrounded by his immaculately attired models, prepares to receive the adulation of his adoring public. Then, with a flash of green from the eldritch star etched onto the back of his skull, the skeleton is gone in a whirlwind of black smoke. The moment he has vanished, the models eye each other uneasily, unsure how to react. 
The crowd, however, erupts into more rapturous applause, knowing precisely where their pop icon has gone. In the forlorn ruins of an ancient monastery, an angel, once fallen, is lighting the candles. It takes hours to light them all, scattered in their thousands across the compound, but by dawn, the whole abandoned monastery glows with soft, soothing light. Yet, for all their solitude, the angel is not alone. A white crow alights upon a windowsill and gazes at them with their unearthly eyes. The angel pauses and considers this apparition, utterly blind to what might be lurking in the shadows behind them. What watches the angel unseen? You see in a far-off bell tower, like in the distance, a, a glint from an arrow. Um, you see this character is standing up against a wall, but almost completely hidden. You can't almost see him at all. His white elven skin is crisscrossed with veins that go across his, his face and his arms, but it's hidden beneath leather and his eyes are marked on his target. Down from the bell tower comes the arrow, aimed unerringly. As it races towards the unsuspecting angel, the bell tower is suddenly awash with brilliant green as an eldritch star, hidden beneath the cowl of the cloak, comes alive with sorcerer's power. Sensing something sinister, the angel turns but sees neither arrow nor sniper, both dissipated into black smoke before either could harm the celestial. When they turn back towards the windowsill, the white crow is nowhere to be seen. A drunken sailor stumbles from a dockside cantina. He drains his wineskin of its last dregs and tosses what remains into an alley. He loiters there a moment, the world wheeling about him, and debates tottering off to another saloon when, from that alley, there comes an unusual voice. Hello, sailor. You looking for some trouble tonight? It is soft, it is female, and it is irresistible. A lopsided grin spreads across the sailor's face as his companions emerge from the cantina to call after him. He makes his promises that he'll catch up with them soon. And then, on unsteady feet, he disappears down the alley to find the unseen speaker. What does the drunkard find in the alley? At first he doesn't see anything, but continues to hear this voice calling to him. And he stumbles down the alleyway, traces the voice to one particularly dark offshoot of the alley, and turns the corner, and is confronted by what appears to be a pile of sludge. Looks around for the beautiful female voice, doesn't see anyone else there. And as he turns to walk away a little bit angry at the prospect of finding a lady love for that night, the smudge begins to animate and becomes a dark-haired, dark-lipped vixen. Where are you going? We've only just met. He turns, sees her, seems very excited for a second, 
until she opens her mouth and her entire existence turns back into the sled and devours him. Once all trace of the sailor is gone, swallowed by the sizzling slime, the alley is brightened by a new light, a sinister light, as an eldritch star blazes into being from somewhere deep within that amorphous shape. In an instant, it evaporates into thick black smoke, indistinguishable from the shadows of the alley. On the dockside street, one of the sailor's companions stops, turns, throws a glance behind him into the empty alley, and sees nothing but darkness. So the four of you, then, appear in four fountains of black flame at precisely the same time, at precisely the same location. This place, although some of you have been summoned by Yogg many times, is new to all of you. You are standing in a vast, cavernous space. It, it has sort of an, an echoey resonance, almost like a, a cathedral or a basilica. But you can immediately tell from the sort of damp and the cool that you are underground, somewhere deep underground. It is utterly dark. Anyone here who does not have either blind sight or dark vision cannot see. There's maybe faint traces of light here and there, but it's otherwise completely occluded. You get the sense of a, of a, a dome high above you, a soaring dome that's supported by pillars and kind of chambers beyond. You can see shelves, sort of a warren of stone shelves winding all the way around you. There's swirling mist that creeps across the floor and adding to this sort of cool, damp atmosphere. The main thing your eyes are drawn to is that there are spider webs everywhere in this chamber. Every stone shelf is draped in them. You can see them between the pillars. Those of you who can see in the dark can see that the dome above you, this massive basilica, is just carpeted in thick cobwebs. You all four appear in these four spaces, kind of in the middle of this almost like atrium of what appears to be some kind of a library or something. There are pedestals about with strange artifacts on them. So in the first fountain of black flame appears. Hi, I'm Cody Bushy, and I'm playing Dr. Hubert Hilkington. Uh, Dr. Hubert is kind of what he goes by, or the doctor. He is a, he's actually a, a taller human. Uh, he's about six feet, I'd say, or six one, mm -hmm. I feel like. Um, but he is always kind of hunched over. So he's very like, and he's also very lanky. So he appears kind of small, I yeah. guess. He's always kind of like- Stooped. Stooped and yeah, hunched. He's got wild hair, like kind of Doc Browny hair. I think last time we talked about that it's like the Bernie Sanders thing. Yes. You burned it all it's the way very, back like, and now it's, it's just, just like, wacky it's just hair. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it used to be like thick, Bobby Thicker, right. a nice thick head of hair. But now, but now it's just bald, like, yeah. it's like the bald thing, but the hair is just going crazy <laughs> in the back. Yeah. And it's like white, you know, maybe stains of uh, unknown stu substances yeah. on the hair, <laughs> right. you know. But it's, it's white hair, basically. Uh, he's got this sort of like a monocle that has a bunch of different lenses. And uh, currently you see right away, he, he notices how dark it is and he... Uh, he takes one of his in pain. He takes say. he takes his arm and flips the lens sure. to the right one, and so then he can it, it adjusts his sight for him basically, right. and so he can see in night. He's got dark vision that way. Anyway, so he currently doesn't have an arm. Uh, <laughs> it's like seeping blood. This is spraying blood. He's probably like in a lot of pain. Like he's probably like you're screaming, he's probably right? like about to faint. I would yeah. imagine <laughs> like he's probably like about to faint. Uh, but you got that big. He was in the middle like, of that operation. Yeah, you got the big leather coat, right? Yeah, it's big, big long leather duster. Mm -hmm. He's got like this bandolier of uh, of syringes and gears. Um, so he's kind of like he's got this some mechanical stuff on him as well uh -huh. that kind of helps him out. 
trying to think of any other detail. There's a hand crossbow at a side. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah. That's but so it, you appear here, I appear. and you're just hemorrhaging blood. Like, yeah. what, what do you do, doctor? He's screaming, and he's he's realizing, like, he's he's putting it all together, like, oh, I've been summoned, so I, right. I need to keep it together here. Yeah. And so he's going to do a medicine check. Sure, sure. Um, if he can. It's also, like, deathly quiet here, so, like, your yeah. screams are echoing tremendously. Like, everyone <laughs> in the world can hear you wailing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, go ahead yeah, and make a medicine. So you're just trying to, like, staunch the blood flow. You yeah. know, I don't, yeah, it's just a blood-curdling, high-pitched. Yeah, he's, like, right. staring at his non-hand, basically, like, wishing he had more time. Just Insane. a little more time. Insane. He rolls pretty well on that medicine check. Uh, that's a mod 21. Great, yes, you're easily able to to at least staunch the blood flow for now. I mean, like it's still, you're in incredible pain, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> this weird, like, gear bandage thing that he can kind of just, like, stick onto stick it, onto yeah, it like and kind of hem Clamps. Yeah. That's cool. I love that. Awesome. Wait, so that's the doctor, right? Kind of draws all the focus in the room, Sorry. I feel like. No, that's great. In the second fountain, so sort of adjacent to the doctor, and a burst of black flame appears. My name's Alan. I play Ernst, who is a lich, formerly human, and he looks like a, like a very well-dressed, uh, a bit stoop-shouldered human skeleton. And we see him... Well, we don't really see him because it's pitch black in here, it's right? pretty dark, yeah. Yeah. If you could see him. If you could see, see him, yeah, you would just see an immaculately dressed and tailored. There's a couple of, sp like, flecks of blood. Oh, yeah. Uh, on From the show. Yeah. On, the, on, on his little waistcoat, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, is that what is it? I mean, is it imagining, like, tailcoats? Like, what is this? What is this outfit? Uh, like? I think since he was, like, running around backstage and probably mm -hmm. sweating, he probably took the coat off. But oh, he's got the yeah. waistcoat, which is, like, the vest thing. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, like, in mid-bow. Oh, yeah, I like head down. Yeah, he's he's uh, for the podcast. I'm half bowing, and <laughs> he like come up and realize like, oh wait, hold on. I'm yeah, not in the he's, he's, like, yeah. he's like, I, I, you know, I didn't know I was nervous enough to black out. <laughs> uh, yeah, what do you do when you first arrive? Do you uh... probably my I look toward where the screens are. <laughs> I bet so hard to avoid. Um, I think there's a little bit of like spray that's coming maybe your direction a bit, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a little bit of the, you know, it gets on, it gets everywhere. Right. Um, who's who's there? <laughs> <laughs> who's there? Like echoes in this. Are you well, <laughs> sir? <laughs> oh, I am. I am. I'm about to faint, I believe, but I will be okay. I will be okay. He's, he's the doctor. It right. sounds like you got a good handle on it. <laughs> Great. Uh, behind the doctor and a fountain of black flame appears. My name is Matthew Pittner, and I am playing the part of Rylus. Rylus. Rylus is, he's a little bit, like, he's in this airy, breezy, sort of almost peaceful bell tower. Mm -hmm. About to, you know, release this arrow. He's been sitting there waiting. Yeah, for hours. Yeah, hours. Uh, and he's craving this kill, you right. know, because it gives him a sort of respite from his... You know, this internal, you know, torture that goes on. Right, yeah, he's a very tortured man. Yeah. A very tortured man. <laughs> and uh, he's, this arrow lets loose and he's ready to feel this this feeling. And then he just is taken into sudden blackness and this immediate screaming. Mm. So he's a little bit just like taken off guard. And just almost like you're woken up from sleep, like yeah. a deep sleep. And you're just... <laughs> defensive reaction. Yeah. yeah, defensive reaction. Lowers the bow. And you can see, if you're looking at him, you can see that he has this leather armor on, but it's all, like, ripped and kind of gashed. There's, like, big, like, it looks like maybe he's attacked by uh, an owl bear mm -hmm. or something like that. You see those the claws, gashes. The beak mark, yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, God. It's like a little bit, like, tattered yeah. and dinged up. Cool. You can see on his hip he has a dagger that is fashioned from a unicorn's horn. And that his skin, like I said earlier, is, it's like 
you can see all the veins in his white elven body that are just like black and running through his head and his arms. He and, looks like sort of sickly and like, yeah, yeah pallid. Looks yeah, very sickly. Cool, great. And you got the mark, or is it, yep, was the, yep. was the cowl up right now? The, I think the cowl would be up because he would okay. have been wearing it when he shot, but you can see it maybe glowing. Yeah, like the, the afterglow. It's like a huge. It's yep. yeah. And it's growing right in the middle of right his forehead. forehead. He realizes where he's at again, and then he goes down into like a sort of like subservient kneel. Okay, yeah, great, perfect. And then behind Ernst, the final fountain of black flame appears. I am Elisa Pearl. I'm playing Smudge. You see the back of a sailor. Oh, yeah! <laughs> yes! Um, about this. That is being, from your angle, you just see the back of the sailor. <laughs> the sailor is being overtaken by this black, bubbling, toxic sludge. And the sailor disappears into that sludge. You can hear, like, the sizzling oh, and smell the acidic. The pop, yeah. yeah. The pops and the mm. sizzles and the, uh, <laughs> you can smell the acid as this sludge digests the sailor and bubbles up over it. That's rad as hell. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, and you might even hear a couple of burps. Yeah, right. <laughs> a big cartoony burps. <laughs> yeah, yeah awesome. exactly. Just like uh, bubbles from yeah. the deep. Yeah. Just, oh, that's great. <laughs> the smell of the bubble is like... It's powerful. terrible. Yeah, right, yeah. It's yeah. really terrible. It's this noxious, horrible, <laughs> sulfurous. Like, so are you just like a big, like amorphous blob? Is there any distinction or color in you at all, or just like jet black? It's, like? I would say it's like very muddy. So like oh. earth tones, oh, very okay. very dark black, brown, yeah. some reds, and maybe some even some pops of dark mossy green. Yeah, I love so that. So like That's it, great. like she came from the bottom of mm-hmm. a, a bog. Yeah, like just the, the, the pond scum you'd scrape mm-hmm. off the bottom, right? What does she do? She just dissolves this, uh, she's, this man? Yeah, she's eating. Yeah. <laughs> you don't bother uh, when she's eating. Excellent. So the doctor has finally stopped screaming, yeah. I assume, right, as you've asserted this He's just wound. kind of this heavy breathing, sort yeah. of like... <laughs> Just trying to keep it together. He might need to roll a con save to yeah, stay go ahead. awake. Uh, I don't know. Here, do me a favor. Can you roll me three d twelve real quick? Sure. I'm gonna hurt you. Yeah, boy. Should. I'm gonna hurt you what, a little why? bit. What did he? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't get it. Oh boy. Oh no. Cody, what did you <laughs> do to yourself? Uh, that's twenty four. Okay, you have taken twenty four damage. Great. As you voluntarily cut off your own arm. He um, pops up a little bit of blood for yeah. sure. <laughs> As you're standing there right, and trying I'll to acclimate okay. to your surroundings, figure out where you are, you've all been summoned by Yogg before, but usually you will appear sort of in Yogg's audience chamber. This is definitely not that place. The room does slowly kind of start to fill with this like eerie ambient glow. The mist that you saw creeping around the room will kind of start to phosphoresce a little bit and give this eerie blue light that casts these sort of unearthly shadows around the place. And as I said, you can see these shelves. It's like warren of shelves that are maybe about like four feet high. So you can usually peer over them if you're about medium sized. And they're filled with books, all kinds of moldering tomes. Everything is like carpeted over with cobwebs. And you can see that sort of placed at the end of some of these bookcases or sort of in open areas, there are pedestals that have strange looking artifacts sitting on them. You can feel free to investigate any of this stuff. The doctor will get up and kind of put things together as you're saying. Yeah, I'm going to roll like a, a history check, I guess. Trying to figure out where you are? Yeah. yeah I kind of want to see if I know like Absolutely. what this is yeah. here, like how this would be relating to Yogg. Let's see here. 17. So you've definitely never been here. Okay. You have heard rumblings of a place called the Houses of Enigma, which mm. you think are basically like the secret repository of all of Yogg's dark forbidden lore. Uh-huh. Any artifacts or texts that have value to Yogg that Yogg wants to secret away and keep hidden is stashed somewhere in, in this place. No one knows where they are in Yogg's or how to get into them. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing, even as you look across the room, like a couple of like, oh, I know that book. Yeah. 
Oh, oh, oh boy, wow, yikes, uh -huh. some of these yeah. things. Maybe you're standing by one of these pedestals and you see, just kind of floating above this pedestal, you see like a desiccated hand like this with these long broken nails and then floating next to it is like a desiccated eyeball. Oh. And you're kind of like standing by that one and you see both of those two things. You're sort of like, huh, hmm. kind of looking at that. Yeah, but there's like a bunch of these weird little artifacts all over the place, yeah. So you're kind of investigating, right? What are Ernst and Rylas and Smudge up to? I feel like Rylas just wants to do a perception check, see if there's great. anything. If Yogg summons him here, he assumes that there'd be enough information that he yeah, needs. Yeah, great. Go ahead and give me a perception. That's so as great. he's doing, as he's looking around for this, you can see that like he's seeing all these spider webs. It's like his subconscious, and you see like his little familiar comes out from his cowl, and it's like just a little, you know. Oh, great. Yeah, you want to scrap? What does this creature look like? Yeah, it's it's his little familiar is can can be different animals. So he crawls out of his cowl, and it's just a completely white spider, mm. and it's just sitting on his shoulder and kind of like looking, looking around yeah, with totally. all of its eyes. That's awesome. Like a big hairy tarantula. Like yeah, a imagine? big hairy tarantula. That's really cool. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. Go ahead and give me a perception. All right. We got a fourteen. Okay. Great. So you can see you're looking around. You have low light vision. You're you're an elf. So you can see that up above these spider webs, there are all kinds of other spiders moving of various sizes. Some of them are very small spiders but in the thousands. You're seeing some that are larger, you see one or two that are like dog-sized, horse-sized, you're seeing lots of spiders and moving all around. On these shelves, there are spiders that are like climbing up and like moving into the books, and you see like a, a pack of spiders will pull one of these books down, and like a bunch of ants will carry this book halfway like kind of across your feet, like, okay. They're just sort of spiders all over the place, crawling all around you. You also, as you're looking around, you briefly see what you think is a figure, like someone standing in the library a good distance away, totally pale white like you, just like ghastly white, but they just sort of move past the shelf and are gone. Mm. Uh, great. So you're kind of aware, might not be alone here in the houses of Enigma. Ernst, what are you up to? I think I run over to the doctor. I'm like, you look really bad. Do you need... Just dripping are you... blood? Yeah. Uh, there are spiders around. Tons right? of spiders, yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to uh, I want to catch one and do life transference. Okay, sure. Yeah. If you just like hold out your little bony hand to one, I feel like a spider will just like crawl over I and I think they'd be hand. very comfortable with yeah, me. Yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. Um, <laughs> it seems like they're almost like trained to respond to that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I can't... I can't do that. Oh, no. I have to do it on myself. Oh, sure. I'll do it. Yeah. All right. So okay. I'm going to do 48 damage to myself. <laughs> and give you twice that back. That's nine plus seven is 16. So you can take 24 back. Really? Wait, 16 times two is 32. Yeah, 32. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. Do you want to describe what this looks like, uh, Ernst? Yeah, yeah, I think I, uh, I'm just like, hold on, hold on, I got you. And I take my, the same arm. Is it your right arm? It's the right one. Yeah, yeah. the left hand just like cracks the two bones of the of my own uh, forearm. You're so gruesome. <laughs> this is the goriest adventure we've it's ever like, had. You, you'll be feeling better in just a second. Um, there's probably some tendrils of, you know, dark smoke. Yeah. You know, that escape as marrow. Right. Oh. Get you feeling right. It's like Hopefully. you're filled with this dark energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No that problem. is a very special ability you possess. Oh, yeah. Can you share that? Can you make... Can you? Can I? Can I? I start stepping backwards a little bit. Okay. And I think I might step in a little bit of sludge. I'm sorry. Oh. You know, because you're behind me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So you, you have boots on, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I got some like wingtips. You yeah. probably feel some type of light warmth. It's like a yeah. And you hear the sizzle around your your wingtip boots. You mm -hmm. pull the boot up and there's like the t like the ribbons of yeah. slime, right? And it just becomes Ooh. this like undignified like stumbling. Like, oh, 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 I'm no. very sorry. Uh, yeah. What's Smudge up to? I'm right behind 
Ernst also yeah. curious about Dr. Hubert, and I slither around Ernst as he stumbles back, and I come up to Dr. Hubert. Uh, you briefly feel a wincing, like, very disturbing pain Ooh. deep inside. Ooh, tell me more. And then you can hear a voice, and you take one point of poison damage. What does the voice tell me? I can help take away some of that pain if you want. Oh. Or all of it. Your choice. I think I know what you're implying. And I, I think I'm going to wait it out right now, if that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to get a second opinion. I, the doctor inside me tells me that I'll be okay as long as I just hold it. I just I need to get to my device. I need to get to my device. Yeah, he'll just he's kind of just muttering to himself a little Fine, bit. Fine, yeah, uh, yeah. whatever. I guess I could wait for my next snack. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you definitely know that voice is also in your head. Like you don't hear oh, right. it. Oh right, like sure, sure, sure. That's right. of course. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Right, right. That's right. awesome. So he's maybe kind of like, yeah. I'm still speaking to Smudge, but he's uh, it's a little weird, like this. And yeah, you're kind of realizing. Like, yeah, hold on. Like, I think you can also speak telepathically back. You don't necessarily have to speak oh, and that's, out loud. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's telepathic connection goes both ways. Oh, okay. Yep. So I think yeah, he was yeah he he wasn't talking out loud. I was just like staring at the smudge intently. Like at what point like, do you like, realize that like I'm not speaking? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, he like shakes out of it. Right? Like, oh, <sighs> great. Sorry. <laughs> you were kind of scanning around, right? You saw that figure. You're still kind of looking for it. What's your passive perception? Yeah, my passive perception is seven. Well, it should be seventeen, right? Ten plus the bonus. Yeah. Yep. Great. Okay, so you're kind of scanning around, you're looking for this figure again, and then you turn and you see in between these two shelves, there they are. It is a 20-year-old female elven woman, and she is completely naked and completely emaciated. She almost looks like more of a skeleton than a real person. Um, and you see that she has the Mark of Yogg, like, boom, right on her forehead. You know that, at least in the past couple of years, Yogg has been using this particular body as its vessel. Normally when you meet the vessel, it's in all this, like, grand opulence and splendor in their throne room. But here, you just see this figure is, like, looking at books on the shelf and completely naked and frightening. You see that there's like something is going on, like almost like her skin is made of porcelain and there's cracks that run up in it. Maybe this person was once human or elven is what you think, but that was a long time ago. She selects something or is about to pull something off the shelf and then horror movie style, we like pan in on her and she turns towards you oh. like that. And you can see her eyes writhe with the sort of black and green essence of Yogg. And she says in this weird two-toned voice, Follow. What do you do, Rylas? My familiar, I'm just looking at mm -hmm. this female yoga, and then my familiar, what it's doing, it just crawls down the wall, past these spiders, and then oh, yeah. it starts crawling towards her, and I just follow the familiar. Okay, great. Yeah, it's a little tarantula goes across the floor, and you like, pad silently behind. Does the group do anything as they see Rylas moving off? Did we all hear the... I don't know if you did, because no. he was the only one who was really looking. So Rylish just kind of starts to walk. And I would say I probably walked past you guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'll follow. I'll be like, oh, we haven't met, actually. And then I just like... <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Yeah, right, right behind. Okay, there goes Ernst. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. I'm followed behind, and I'm going to, like, lap at your heel again. And say, I wish you had more meat on your bones, and you feel that wincing. <laughs> I'm Weirdness. thrilled to be rid of it. You take, <laughs> you take one point of poison. Okay. One point of poison. Are you immune to poison? 
Uh, I'm resistant. I resistant. Wait, you still wait, take wait, one. Wait, wait, wait. I might be immune to it. You've got your organs. Yeah. There's no system in there. Yeah. You, you are, are immune poison. to poison and disease. Yeah. Nice. 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 So it's just polishing the bone. I think it's bad for the shoes, but <laughs> Ooh, the ankle's fine. I, I think the shoe is like dissolved away, right? Like yeah. it's just like like hanging on your foot by strips. Yeah, that's great. There's a comical <laughs> flopping going. So Ernst and then like sort of lapped at by Smudge pursued winding Warrens. What about you, Doctor? You gonna stand here by yourself? Uh, yeah, I think he's just gonna. Try. I think I'm not gonna. Yeah, I, think he's probably not gonna... <laughs> I don't see any obvious. Yeah, folks why here. would he? You know, yeah. no, it's just kidding. He's he obviously will start uh, to right. yeah pick himself up, and hobble, start hobble along. Great. Yeah. So the vessel sort of moves their way lackadaisically through the library. We'll stop every once in a while and kind of glance at something. Uh, seems to lose interest and keeps walking. And it's like, eventually, as you follow, you can start to see where they're moving. And they're moving kind of towards the outside of this place. Like, by halfway towards sort of the end of the big central chamber, they just say, and again, this very, like, laissez-faire kind of attitude, in a way that you, who have been here before, have never really heard them talk in this way. They just say, There is a ritual that opens the way between worlds. You shall perform that ritual. Contact the hungering entity beyond the stars and make an alliance with it. Thanks for listening to All Hail Yogg. If you liked the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It's really the best way to steer new ears towards the podcast. We would really appreciate it. All Hail Yogg is an Experience Points production. It was directed and dungeon mastered by Timothy J. Meyer. Dr. Hubert was played by Cody Bushy, at Cody Bushy on Twitter. Ernst was played by Alan Walton, at Alan BW on Instagram. Rylus was played by Matthew Pittner, at Neoclassical underscore Fox on Instagram. Smudge is played by Elisa Pearl, at Elisa Pearl on Twitter. Tim Alvarez, at The Way Tim Moves on Twitter was our audio engineer. The game was played using the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition rule set as owned by Wizards of the Coast. The opening titles are A Night on Bald Mountain by Modest Mazorski, performed by the Skidmore College Orchestra. Additional music includes The Dante Symphony by Franz Liszt, performed by the Berlin Philharmonic. String Quartet No. 8 by Dmitry Shostakovich, performed by the Lawrence Street String Quartet. Dance Macabre by Camille Sansans, performed by the National Philharmonic Orchestra. Dies Irae, performed by the Scola Antigua. Pictures of an Exhibition by Modest Mazorski, performed by the Berlin Philharmonic. We claim no rights on any music used. Thanks for listening, and yog before all.